hear the voice. Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry Podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today, and now here is today's podcast. We ready? Yeah. Preaching repentance is about as as about popular as a desert is. If you're going to go on vacation, do you think, honey, let's take the kids, Charles, right? Let's take the kids and go find a good desert where we have to fight for water and food and it's hard to enjoy because the hot sun is over us and we won't take anything with us. That's what it's like preaching repentance, right? You're not going to do that. If you're going to go on vacation, you might go to Samal Island and rent a beautiful place on the water and have air conditioning and all the food that you want and things like that, right? That's what people do when they want to go on vacation is do something where they can uh, relax and rest. But preaching repentance is just as popular as a desert is. But yet it was the foundation of Jesus' message. It was what he preached. It was what you and I should preach. Repentance prepares the way in our hearts for Jesus to come in and change us. That's what it does. If we don't allow Jesus to change us, then we're not allowing repentance to do its work. We're not taking responsibility. Repentance will cause you to die to your flesh and learn to live with less. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, a wee little man. A wee little man was he. You remember that song? I think Zacchaeus might have been Filipino. I don't think he was American. But he was a little guy. He was a tax collector, which... Tax collectors were despised. And he climbed a tree because he couldn't see over the crowd. And what kind of tree did he climb? Sycamore trees. And he climbed the tree, and he's look, and he gets Jesus' attention, and he says, hey, Jesus, come to my house for lunch. And Jesus likes this guy's initiative. He says, I'm going to your house today for lunch. He said that to the tax collector in front of everybody else. So everybody else went, Jesus is going to be the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Oh my goodness. The gossip started, right? But he's already worked all kinds of miracles and healing, so they don't know what to think. (laughs) He goes to his house. Zacchaeus says, hey, I'm going to give everything back that I owe to those that I've taken from, and I'm going to do more. I don't remember exactly what it says, but you can read it on your own. But the point is, is that Jesus had so changed his life that he was willing to die to his flesh and learn to live with less. He couldn't erase his past, but Jesus could forgive him of his past. 
And then the process of the repentance taking place in Zacchaeus' life, he started to produce fruit. Churches that practice repentance become a magnet for the lost. It's amazing to me how many churches don't care about the lost. I get invited to preach at a lot of churches. And a lot of times they want me to give a real good message so I can stir everybody up and get them excited. But then I preach a message on repentance. And if people are hungry and they respond, then usually something happens. But sometimes they're like, yeah, thanks for coming. See you later. Exactly. And a lot of times there's people I build relationships with because I'm a long-term guy. I'm a loyal person. If you want me to come, then I will give myself to you as best as I possibly can. But if you're not interested, I'm going to wipe the dust off my feet and I'm going to walk to the next place because God is my provider, not you. Not your church, not your budget. And I don't care how much money you want to give me. I will tell you this, is that I am not going to compromise my relationship with God again. I did it one time, and it's the worst, absolute worst thing I ever did in my life. And it almost cost me everything. Now, he's worthy of it all. But when people practice repentance lifestyle, you see people want what you have because they see you're genuine. So much of the church tries to act so perfect all the time. And then we look down on people. You know, I, I noticed a lot of times that a lot of Filipinos look up to Americans, not just because they're taller, but they look up to Americans because they come from America, there's money, all those things. And everybody here calls me as an American, sir. Can, I, can you do me a favor? If you want to call me sir, that's up to you. Okay, I'm not going to rebuke you for it. I want to be kuya. You know why? Because it's more of an affectionate term. If you look at me as sir, you look at me as above you. And when the Lord called us to the Philippines, he did not call us to come to the Philippines like this. He called us to come to the Philippines like this. Because Jesus said the greatest among you should become servant to all. Now, I'm, I can't serve everybody, but I want the, what people see and hear from us to be genuine. Because when you live a repentance lifestyle, then people want what you have. Because they know you're real. And I can preach pretty strong and sound tough. But it's not my goal except to be hard on sin and help people know that if you take the leap of faith, God can change everything in your life. The purpose of repentance is confession of sin, which leads to a changed life. I would encourage you, if you've not been water baptized, that you make sure you get water baptized as soon as possible. If you have been, praise God. It's a commandment of the Lord. 
But the purpose of water baptism, which I'm going to get into more in just a moment, it reveals a changed life. And it gives you an opportunity to begin your testimony of what God has done on the inside of your heart. Messages on repentance are not as popular as purpose-driven, abundant life messages. Okay, I believe that God wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us. That um, He is a purpose-driven God, but He is a presence-driven God. And so while there are messages that are extremely popular to draw in people, and I think that they have some value to them, the point is, why don't we preach repentance when that's going to change people? Instead of trying to appeal to people and say, if you like this message and you do what we tell you, then all these great things are going to happen for you. Can I tell you that's not what Jesus told his disciples? <laughs> he said, if you're going to follow me, the world's going to hate you. You're going to be persecuted. Why? Because the world loves its sin. And if you repent and turn from me, you're going to turn from it and you turn towards me, you're going to see that abundant life is not an amount of things that you have, but who you are in me. And you can walk in freedom. You can walk in blessing. I will provide your needs. I won't leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. I've never been forsaken by the Lord in all the years that we've been doing what we've been doing on the mission field. I've always seen God show up. And it's absolutely amazing to me. Even this past month, we had a, a real hard financial month. And I'm thinking, oh boy, we got so many needs, financial needs right now, ministry, immigration, my kids are coming in town and all this stuff. What are we going to do? And you know what? All of a sudden, God provides through different ways that I never would have expected. I had one brother here in the city. He said, hey, bro, I just wanted you to know. And I talk to this guy occasionally, but I don't expect them to do anything. He says, I really felt my heart to give you something. So I dropped 25,000 pesos in your bank account. Praise the Lord. I didn't know he was going to do that. But this is what I'm talking about. God knows how to bring in what you need from the north, south, east, and west. Even from ways that you never thought would come your direction. Actually, a pastor in America I haven't talked to in a long, long time. Uh, three weeks ago, he messaged me and said, Hey, bro, where are you? I said, In the Philippines. He said, I want to send you something. I said, okay. I said, well, my kids are coming. If you want to send it to them, they can bring it with them. So they brought me a check for $200. And I thought, wow, that was unexpected. But it took care of the needs. We had a feeding program. We feed 120 kids Monday through Friday in Agdow. Been doing this for 17 years. Of full-time staff, amazing people. We had no money for Christmas gifts. We do a Christmas party every year. So my friends who I know who own Trust Hardware and RJ Homes, they contacted me and said, we want to give gifts for the kids. They bought specific gifts 
for all 120 kids. They wanted their names, their ages, male, female, and they bought it for them. All the kids got amazing gifts. It was actually the best gifts we've ever seen. In all the years we've done the Christmas party, you should have seen the kids' faces. This is what I'm talking about living in the blessing of the Lord. This is what I'm talking about is watching what God can do for you when you choose to live a life of repentance that you believe God wants to supply your needs. Repentance is not a one-time event, but a daily practice that leads to maturity and breakthrough. We go lower before we go higher, right? There's pruning that Jesus talks about. Look, there might be seasons of your life where you feel uh, absolutely dry, where you're wondering, you know, is, is any, are you doing anything, God? You know, is there, um, is there any type, uh, do you notice me right now? I feel like I can't hear you properly. My friend, if he said he's not going to leave you, and you're in a season of being pruned, you know what it means to be pruned? You know what a fruit tree looks like? Let's say there's a mango tree and it's producing fruit, but you want it to produce better quality fruit or more fruit. You trim the branches so that you prune it so that it can produce greater fruit. That's what Jesus is talking about. I am the vine, you are the branches. The vine doesn't need to be trimmed, pruned, but the branches do. Amen? He's the source we're connected to. He promises that through a repentance lifestyle, your pruning will produce greater fruit. So you're probably going through some pruning while you're here. (laughs) Now, you know, some of you guys from other countries, it's fun to go to immigration, isn't it? Don't you love it? I remember the first day I went to immigration in Davao in 2003. We had thought we were getting the missionary visa and we each of the five families gave I don't know how much money it was like $1,000 a piece maybe some more or less depending on how many kids you had and we gave it and we didn't really understand all the processing and then they told us just to come back at the end of the year well that sounded odd but we did because that's what they told each of the families but at the end of the year, we came back and we found out none of our visas were processed. In fact, they took someone took all of our money, all five families. So we had no visa. We had overstayed for several months. We had to pay penalties. So we had to pay $2,000 per family for the past year of penalties and everything. And then we had to, we, and then the Lord spoke to me and said, you have to go back to the States to raise more money. And I didn't want to listen to that. And I had a pair of shoes that the bottom sole, when it walked, it would speak in tongues when I walked. So a Filipino pastor who did not make a lot of money, he saw me walking one day with my shoes speaking in tongues. I thought I was real Pentecostal, you know. He looked at me and he said, bro, you should go back to the U.S. and raise more money. And I thought, I'm a man of God. I'm a man of faith, right? We're going to stick it out and God's going to do it. Well, I had already heard God say, go back to the States. 
Well, I had no money to go back to the States. That's why I didn't want to go back to the States. And I needed 2,000 bucks for immigration. I need another $2,000 for one-way tickets to go to the States. It was a lot cheaper back then. You know, within one week, over $5,000 came in. And I knew it was the Lord to not only pay what we needed, but that money to go back. But it didn't make sense to me. I'm a new missionary. Why would I leave? We go back. We know maybe one or two churches. Nobody knows us. We're new missionaries. We haven't even done anything. I mean, very little. We're trying to acclimate to the culture and learn what it means to be Filipino and what God's called us to do, our personal identity issues, all that. And then you know what happens? I go back. It's Christmas time. Nobody wants a missionary at Christmas time because they're spending all their money on gifts. And in January, nobody has any money because they spent it all on Christmas. So I'm there for two months going, are we going to be able to go back? So I go to a church. It was a Methodist church. And they had three services by 12 p.m. Three in the morning. They wanted me to preach. The pastor would wear a robe on Sunday. This was different than what I was used to. And so I go to the church. I preach three times. The church gives us a nice offering. It was about $2,000, but no monthly support. And that's what we really needed. And I'm like, all right, praise God. And I'm standing at the door. The pastor asked me to shake hands with people as they were leaving. And I didn't want to go shake hands with people. I wanted to leave <laughs> and figure out how we're going to do this. So I shake hands with this couple who walks out, Glenn and Lori Rowe. And they said, we were so inspired by the word that you gave today. He says, we love missionaries. They said, are you free for lunch? And I had my other hand in my pocket and I was shaking their hand. And I felt around if I had any money. And I said, yeah, we're free for lunch. Praise God. <laughs> I had no money in my pocket. And they said, well, great. Come to our house. So we pull up to this incredibly large house with four cars, indoor pool. I mean, I'm like, wow, he was a surgeon. But they loved God. They loved missionaries. On their refrigerator were all these magnets of missionaries they sponsor. So I'm like, my goodness, these people are cool. So his wife and my wife and kids, they all go in the other room. And Glenn comes around and says, man, it was such a powerful word. We are really excited what God's doing in your life. We want to help sponsor you guys. So I'm thinking, oh, praise God, maybe 100 bucks a month. You know, I mean, we need a lot more than that. Well, he comes up and gives me a sponsor card. We're going to support you 50,000 pesos a month. $1,000 a month. I started crying. Because I knew... This meant we can go back because our missions board was not going to allow us to leave unless we had financial provision. And so we come back. Do you know for the next several years, those people supported us? They would help us pay for plane tickets. They would help us renovate buildings that we were planning churches in. They would buy sound equipment and things like that. And then you know what? God called them to the mission field. And I said, that's not God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> but the Lord challenged me out of Joshua 5, where it says, when Israel entered into the promised land, 
the manna dried up and they began to eat the fruit of the land. Right? Yes. He said, your manna's drying up, but I'm going to provide for you from the fruit of the land. When we blessed them and said, listen, they supported us for several years. And so did a lot of other people, but they were the biggest part of our sport. When we blessed them and said, we want to release you guys, we believe in the calling on your life. That was one of the hardest things I'd do. And you know what happened? God totally provided. And now our ministry has doubled its budget, tripled its budget from what it was back then. I don't even know how that happens. Literally, why am I sharing this with you guys? Because what I want you to know is that God knows what he's doing. And all he's asking of you and I is that we would surrender our will to him. Repentance is an individual choice. We cannot live off of somebody else's lifestyle. Now, most of us know that. But why do we allow pastors to do everything in the church? Do you know what the purpose is of fivefold ministry gift leaders? Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists? It's to equip the church. Not do everything for them. Pastors should work themselves out of a job. The reason why churches don't multiply is because we surround it about our personality and not the person. I'm not saying every church is wrong because different churches are in different states of maturity. However, if we're going to multiply, then we should be raising up disciples who make disciples. I'm not saying every church has to do G12 or do some other method of multiplication. I am saying that if you repent individually and corporately, then you are going to become unique. There is a uniqueness about YWAM that is different from what we do at fire school. And I love it. I love it because there's a lot of similarities, biblical principles that we follow. But do you know, I'm older than Charles and Lila, not by too much. You need to repent for that sound. But if I were to go into their home and say, you're raising your kids wrong, you need to do it the way that we did it. There's some truth to that because I've been doing it longer. But what I'm doing is I'm comparing them to us. And I'm not allowing them to grow and hear God for themselves and their own family. So what I need to do is teach biblical principles from the word of God and tell them, follow these principles so that you can obey God. If they want to ask me a question or Casey a question because we've been down some of these roads, it might be similar, but they have different personalities. They came from different backgrounds. They have experienced different cultural issues. Their whole makeup is completely different than how we grew up. Biblical principles 
are what remain the same. But the fact is, the uniqueness of any ministry or family or marriage should be found out as you seek the Lord on your own. When you hear from God, how Charles and Lila hear from God is unique. And it's developing unique children. And those kids will grow up and do great things for God. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Because I know they have a strong marriage. They love each other. They love Jesus. And that's the greatest environment kids can be raised in. doesn't matter how much money they have or how much they have in comparison to someone else. What they have is worth more than gold. Now, if he was yelling at Lila, so opposite of Charles' personality. If she was hitting him, which I don't know, does she do that, bro? I mean, let's talk if we need to. <laughs> if she was, if things like that were happening, we could talk to them in a way as a mentor to say, okay, guys, let's sit down and let's deal with these issues. Let's repent. But I do not want to use that opportunity to manipulate them because I'm serving them to get them to do something I think that they should do. What I want is for them to experience God on their own through personal repentance so that as they come to agreement and serving one another in love, they will hear from God and in hearing God and through that process develop a testimony for their marriage and their family and their ministry that will be so unique that they will look different but yet similar to what we do. Amen? See, repentance is individual choice that if you would take that personal responsibility, you are allowing the creator of the universe to create something in and through your life that he can't do with anybody else because you are uniquely different. Everybody has their own personality DNA and it's incredible. Nobody else has your fingerprint. Yeah. I mean, think about this, guys. <clears throat> This is how secure God is in his leadership. In all the billions of people that have lived on this earth, and that will, he knows every one of them by their name. He knows every one, how many hairs were on their head. He knows every detail about their life. All he's asking is for you and I to take personal responsibility. Then he can produce fruit in and through our lives. Repentance leads to new disciplines like embracing humility and, uh, and honoring others, right? When I began to repent, the Lord taught me how to love my wife. And then one day, when Casey and I would argue all the time, and then when she would repent, everything would get right. I'm just kidding. It wasn't, wasn't all Casey's fault, okay? Okay. <laughs> No, when we first came to the Philippines, we were arguing every month for six months. Fighting. And then the Lord gave us some wisdom. This is what happens when you personally repent. You can actually hear from God. He said, take 10 scriptures a week and pray, confess those scriptures over each other. Every week, get 10 new scriptures do this for three months. So we did that. As we began to pray the scripture over each other, we stopped arguing. 
We learn how to love and honor one another above ourselves. And at the beginning of that, the Lord was speaking to me out of Ephesians 5, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, submit to your husband, right? That whole passage. Well, I always read the part that said, wives, submit to your husbands. For some reason, I was drawn to that aspect of Scripture. And for some reason, my wife didn't like when I would only talk about that point of Scripture and talk about what she needed to do and not be willing to do what I needed to do. And so the Lord knew the hardness of my head. And he said, Eric, you have a great love for revival and my bride, the church. But if you don't learn how to love the woman that I've put in front of you, you'll never have the affections that I need you to have for my bride, the church. That hit me between the eyes. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave them die. Embrace your wife. He said, your goal in life is for Casey Miller to shine. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. He said, your wife should never have shame again. And he says, I put that responsibility on you. And you got to understand, when we got married, there was a lot of shame because of the stupid things that I did. My wife had a hard time forgiving me and trusting me. But then after so many years, us working through details, personal repentance, we began to produce fruit. Now, sometimes I go on trips by myself. I don't like to do that if I don't have to. Usually take a kid with me or somebody with me to travel. But if I have to do it, and I'm away from my family for two or three weeks, which is not normal, my wife trusts me. And you don't know what that means to me, because I don't deserve that. But yet, through personal repentance and producing fruit time and time again, and through pruning, and all the things that have happened, you know what? As we embrace humility and honor one another above ourselves, we have, we're strong. We're cemented. I'm not worried about my wife finding another man. She's not worried about me finding another woman. We're not. Because we know what we're investing in the Lord and to each other. And we're confident. And in the same way, if that's what you do with the Lord, just imagine how secure you can walk in your relationship with God despite any challenges that come your way. Repentance always leads us to fresh baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Let me encourage you, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and seeing the gifts of the Spirit flowing in and through your life, you need to seek God for that. If that's different than how you grew up, then search the scriptures and let the Lord speak to you because I believe the power of God is still for today. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Exodus, he said, I am the Lord and I do not change. Why would God work miracles in the Old Testament, New Testament, and then at the death of the last apostle end and do no more gifts, miracles, signs, and wonders called cessationism? I don't know if any of you grew up like that. But I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. I'm what you call a continuationist. And I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is still for today. 
that what they experienced on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, we can have today. And God is still pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, right? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even upon the servants, I'm going to pour out my Spirit in the last days. All flesh has not been born yet. So when that... God poured out His Spirit initially 2,000 years ago. He's still pouring out His Spirit. And if you'll accept repentance as a lifestyle, God promises to give you fresh baptisms in the Holy Ghost. Repentance is what divides believers from disciples. Right? Judas confessed that his sin, but he did not repent. David repented. Remember when we talked about that earlier today? Even though David still had to reap what he sowed, the loss of the baby with Bathsheba, Judas committed suicide even though he confessed his sin. Where is Judas today? They call him the son of perdition. Did God just create him to destine him to judgment? I don't believe so. I believe somehow in God's sovereignty and Judas' responsibility, he chose to walk away from God. And he didn't repent. He confessed because his conscience was gripped with guilt and condemnation, shame and fear, and he went and killed himself. Now, I don't believe everybody who commits suicide goes to hell. I don't think that's what the Bible says. I think sometimes people are in a wrong mental state. It's not my judge. I'm not the judge and neither are you of what God does with people. I believe in the mercy of God. But let me tell you this. Suicide is dangerous. It is the most selfish act that somebody can commit. No matter how painful somebody is feeling in their life, suicide is taking control. Even though you're out of control. See, my point is, is that when Judas committed suicide, I don't believe Jesus was happy about that one bit. I believe he wanted Judas to repent, but he was unwilling to repent. Repentance was not needed for Jesus, right? Did Jesus have to repent? Why not? Somebody tell me. Sinless. Did he ever lie? Did he ever cheat? Did he ever allow ungodly thoughts to rule his mind? No. Did he ever rebuke his parents? No. Did he dishonor them? No. He always spoke the truth in love. He was perfect. So why did Jesus need to be water baptized? Because water baptism is a symbolic agreement with what God is doing on the inward of you. So if you repent, how do you say it? Lovenia, right? So if you repented of your sin, you are forgiven based on the, the word of God and faith in Christ. But then Jesus commands us to be water baptized. So water baptism is an ex outward expression of an inward act of something that has taken place in us. You don't get water baptized until you're born again. 
And you don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. However, water baptism is a commandment of the Lord. And so when Jesus was being water baptized, he said, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. So I'm doing this as an example, not because I have sin, but because I want you to follow my example. And how many of you know Jesus is the greatest example that we could ever follow? Amen? So when Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, three things happened at his water baptism, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Repentance will cause you to see your need for the lordship of Christ in your life, that Jesus would rule every area of your life. Amen? Can I change? I know some are taking pictures. Okay. So, Jesus' water baptism symbolized for us his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus showed us the fruit that repentance produces. Again, he did not have to repent. But when he was water baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to do what he was supposed to do, three things happened. When we're water baptized, it will change us. But when Jesus was water baptized, and when you and I are water baptized, I believe these three things that happened to him also happened to you and I. The heavens will open over your life. What does that mean? There's no separation. When you obey God, God opens up the windows of heaven for you. I don't believe that's too difficult. You can say that happens when we're born again, but then why are we commanded to be water baptized? Well, if we're going to do what Jesus did, then we believe that what happened to Jesus happens to us. Amen? Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? As a symbol, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and landed upon him. What happened when the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost? Tongues of fire rested on each one of their heads. The Holy Spirit descended upon those who were in the upper room praying. And so we see the same idea in a symbolic way. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate your countenance, right? When the believers came out of the upper room, they began preaching the gospel, speaking in tongues. People are like, are these guys drunk? Why are they so happy? And they said, we're not as drunk as you suppose, but we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. There's something that's happened in us that's so real. I'm saying this all in response to repentance, my friend. It prepares the way for God to move in your life. And he confirmed his ownership over Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I love. Listen to him. That's what God says over you and I when we're born again, when we get water baptized. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son in whom I love and who I'm well pleased with. How is God pleased with you and I? Because he sees Jesus in you and me. Amen. And Jesus washes us and makes us perfect and holy and gives us grace beyond our own ability. Whenever there's true repentance, we can always expect deeper baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Where deeper baptisms in the Holy Spirit take place, you'll always see fresh passion for evangelism amongst God's people. I believe repentance is turning from sin and turning towards God. 
So when you turn away from sin, it's because the power of the blood of Jesus gives you grace to turn away, and by faith you walk towards God. What was Jesus' purpose for coming? It was to restore us back to the Father. So now we have the opportunity to receive from the Father the power of the Spirit, everything that we have need of to live a godly lifestyle. Right? In Acts 18.24, the apostles referred to the repentance message as the beginning or the foundation of what God does in us. They even refer to repentance as John's baptism. And then in Acts 18.24-25, agreeing with God in repentance gives us thankfulness, hope, and passion because of how much Jesus has forgiven us for. This will become our motivation to serve him. So, he not only says, turn away, but I empower you. And the power I wanted to demonstrate through your life is miracles, signs, and wonders. Right? Do we believe the resurrected Jesus lives in us? So, if you pray for somebody, do you believe they can get healed? Why not? Is it you who's doing the healing? No. But does God want to use you? Of course he does. So what if they don't get healed? You pray for the next person. And you pray and you pray and pray until you see it happen. But you believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's lots of people I've prayed for that I didn't see get healed or some breakthrough. And then there's lots of people that I have seen where there were breakthroughs. I don't understand how that all works. But it's not my job to figure everything out. My job is to obey the scripture. And to do the things that Jesus did, as he said, you and I will do, and even greater. Amen? Knowing what we have repented from is not enough. We must learn of where repentance will take us to. That's what we've been talking about. Repentance leads us to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to be a prophetic people who speak under the influence of God. God reveals his nature through us with signs and wonders following. All these scriptures prove that Christianity does not end with repentance. It begins with it. Listen, look at me. Repentance is a lifestyle. It is not a one-time event. You may initially begin with repentance and be born again. But as you are a born again believer and the sanctification process is taking place, you are learning how to walk with God and surrender your will time and time again so that the spirit of God can rule and reign your life so that the flesh doesn't control you anymore. Amen? And then, you know, let me say this. A lot of people, sometimes kids, it's hard to get them to eat vegetables right? They like fried foods. They like the, you know, meats. They like all the sweets and things like that. Then you show them a piece of broccoli and they go, you know, but you know what happens? You have to train yourself to be godly. So sometimes you have to put the sweets away. I see some of you feeling repentance come on you right now. And you have to learn how to eat those greens. But I don't like it, okay? Most people don't. But the more that you do it, you will acquire a taste for it. Now, I'm going to make a confession. 
How many of you have heard of Army-Navy? I know you have. The foreigners. That's where we all meet. That's where we all meet up. You're here too, you know. I eat at Army-Navy maybe once, twice a week sometimes. I like burritos. Yummy. But if I come home and my wife makes a vegetable dinner, I need to be eating that. <laughs> or she gives me five-fold ministry. <clears throat> Look, there's some things that we don't like to do that if we do them, we'll learn how to like them. Okay? And you might think, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, listen, you know why people don't live disciplined lives is because they make excuses. And so if you struggle with a certain area of your life, no matter what it might be, learn how to bring that to the Lord and be responsible and then be willing to make a change. And if you're willing to do that, then I promise you, God will show up and give you power to do it. Amen? Christianity sustained by personal repentance leads us to greater depths of the anointing. One action of true repentance is enough to go to heaven. One action of the Holy Spirit baptism is enough to live a spirit-empowered life. So why a continual repentance and fresh anointing? D.L. Moody, the famous preacher, said we need to be filled with the Spirit daily because we leak. That's what he said. Somebody asked him, why do we need to be, why does the Bible say that we need to be filled with the Spirit daily? And he said, we leak. We all leak at times. You understand? Doesn't mean God's leaving us. It just means that other things creep in. And we have to keep putting the Lord first. First, 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 over and over and over again. And I promise you, the more that you do that, when you prefer others, you know, if it's lunchtime or dinner time, and you're like, get out of my way, I want to sit here, right? And then you prefer your brother or your sister, your flesh might be like, okay, yeah, you go ahead and sit there. I'll go sit over here. <laughs> you know, I, do you know how that honors the Lord? Little things matter. Faithfulness matters. And it's the key to living the secret life of the Lord. Because if you learn how to be disciplined enough in the prayer closet, then guess what God's going to challenge you with? That when you're outside the prayer closet, that you apply what you learned in the prayer closet outside. <laughs> and that can be even more difficult. But it's not impossible. And if you do it, you will see the fruit of your reward. Thankfully, the grace of God can be found as we humble ourselves towards God in repentance. Let me give you some quotes on repentance, and we're going to finish up here. George Whitfield, the famous preacher in the 1700s, said, It is good to be humbled. I am never better than when I am brought to lie at the foot of the cross. It is a certain sign God intends that soul a greater crown. Isn't that awesome? 
Andrew Murray in mid-1800s and 1900s said, humility is nothing but the disappearance of self in the vision that God is all. These are men and women of God who understood what it took. Didn't Jesus said, it is the meek, the humble, who will inherit the earth. What does that mean? Everything you need or want in this life, if you live in humility, God will get to you what he thinks you need. William Gurnall, 1600, said, The more able to wait for long answers to our desires and prayers, the stronger faith is. You want to grow and be a great man of faith? Learn how to wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength and you'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. There is an answer for those who wait upon the Lord. Charles McIntosh said, Until the fear of the Lord gets its place in the heart, there can be nothing right, nothing wise, nothing holy. How can there be if indeed the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? See, the fear of the Lord tells us, repent. Repent tells us you can be free and walk in, in intimacy with the Lord. And by doing so, God will bring breakthroughs and use you in your life. Samuel Rutherford, this is a powerful quote, said, Humility is a strange flower. It grows best in the winter weather and under storms of affliction. It's a strange flower. See, you can plant anything in the soil around here and it grows because it's so fertile here. But when there's snow on the ground, I don't know if any of you grew up around snow. I did in upstate New York. We could get snow this high in one night. Nothing grows in winter weather. But he said, humility is a strange flower. It grows the best under afflictions and great winter weather. Whoop, let's go back there. William Booth, Salvation Army founder said, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. Do you want to be great for the kingdom of heaven? Surrender. Amen? Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.